You're listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Learn about local issues, meet candidates, and find out what we're doing to bring more options to Georgia voters. Now here's your host. Hi, and welcome to the Georgia Liberty Cast. I'm your host, Ryan Graham, uh, the chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. And today I have Laura Williams with me. She is the vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. Very nice to be here. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, We're hoping that this will be a more regular thing because I think uh, conversations are generally a little bit better than uh, just me reading show notes to to the the masses. (laughs) Uh, But we're going to jump right into it. So um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was some LP Georgia news. Uh, we, jumped, we joined a coalition to um, expand expungement in Georgia called Second Chance for Georgia. Um, and we did this because we, uh, Laura actually wanted to do, host an expungement event to help you know, people convicted of crimes to expunge their records, um, but kind of ran into some issues. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So expungement is a term that is used in many other states to uh, discuss what in Georgia is called the sealing of criminal records. We don't actually do expungement here. But people who have minor criminal infractions often have trouble finding housing because you can ask as a landlord about criminal convictions, as you probably should be able to. And employment for the same reason they have trouble maintaining custody of their kids they can't live in certain areas near schools the minor things that cause people serious problems reintegrating into society even after they've served whatever sentence and paid whatever costs were imposed by the court we in georgia go on punishing people for a lot longer than is necessary given how small some of these encounters with the criminal justice system can be. And to put that into a little bit of perspective, um, this pe- people in Georgia, there are 4.2 million people in Georgia with criminal records, uh, which represents nearly 40% of all adults. So that's how many people have to say yes on the checkbox when they're looking for housing or a job or anything like that, and they face additional barriers to those types of things, um, even after they've served their sentence. It's sort of a natural consequence of over-policing. When you put a lot of people in contact with the criminal justice system, even if they're not ultimately convicted, these people didn't all spend time in jail or prison. They weren't all convicted of a crime. They have a record of having interacted with law enforcement. Well, so that's the interesting thing is expungement is allowed in Georgia, but only for people that were arrested but were not convicted of the crime they were arrested for, which, I, I mean, I don't even understand why that needs yeah. an expungement. Why is that record still <laughs> existing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then I guess there are certain misdemeanor convictions uh, before someone turns 21 that can be expunged, but um, only only if, if they're you know tried as a, a child, I guess. Hmm. So um, I didn't get too much into that, uh, just knowing that you know most of the people can't do anything about um, their, their situation. So um, the, the Second Chance for Georgia is, is sponsored primarily by the Georgia Justice Project, but it's a coalition between other organizations. Um, the, some of them that are listed on the website are Georgia Center for Opportunity, United Way of Atlanta, The Temple, Freedom Works, Southern Center for Human Rights, Women on the Rise, um, and, a, and a bunch more. Um, Good company for us to be in. Exactly, yeah, for criminal justice reform. Um, when libertarians want to reach out on something like this, I feel like we can connect the dots for a lot of people um, because it, it seems like there are people on the you know political left and the political right who are 
who really want to prioritize criminal justice reform, but for whatever reason, we can't get it done. And so when the Libertarian Party jumps in, hopefully that either that gives them an excuse to, you know, we can we can be that bridge between these two different communities. That's an optimistic way of looking about it. <laughs> you gotta be optimistic. <laughs> you gotta be optimistic. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mr. Chairman. <laughs> Um, all right, so um, I think we've covered that one. The next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit, and um, I've talked about that on uh, this on the podcast before, but um, Isaacson's seat is up for up for um, right now an appointment by the governor, um, and he's taken an interesting tact on on how he's going to fill that position. Um, he's accepting resumes. It's a great little PR stunt. <laughs> apply online to be appointed as the senator. It's it's a way of making it appear so much more open than it is ever intended to be. Yeah. If you yeah. wanted people to just be able to freely apply to fill his seat, he would have resigned at the end of a term instead of handpicking his successor who will then run as an incumbent. Uh, so far as the media reports, uh, Isaacson is pretty much hands-off on all of this he's not he said he will he will consult governor kemp if governor kemp asks him (laughs) other than that he's leaving it up to him is what the public facing message is but you know yeah that's doubtful huh yeah i think if we've (laughs) learned anything it's that we're established power in georgia and elsewhere is not willing to leave a lot of things up to chance especially keeping their power right um, so some of the interesting names that have popped up because um, they are also posting all of these resumes publicly on the governor's website. They're redacting phone numbers and addresses, but leaving the city and state. Uh, there was a couple of interesting ones that, that had, they were completely redacted. I don't know what was contained in those, but um, some people's entire like their qualifications were their also entire redacted. resume was just redacted. It's just a big black box. Interesting. Um, there was one that I noticed that looked like what behind it was the big black box was, was a map. And I'm like, what were you submitting a map of on your resume? Um, oh, I could see that. Yeah? Yeah. I suppose if you were campaigning actively in Georgia and you wanted to show that you have penetration in these areas, but that would be a very weird choice. Yeah, I don't think To this... put the map on... I googled the guy. Oh, He's not I... campaigning. All right. But nice try. <laughs> Benefit of the doubt, right? Come on. Um... So the interesting name that popped out to me, of course, as a libertarian, was Alan Buckley. Um, he ran for that seat um, the last time it was up, and I think maybe the time before. Uh, I, I'm sorry, I didn't do my show prep enough, but I know at least the time before that. Um, I think he caused a, a runoff the time before that. Hmm. So, um, so he he showed up to submit his name, which um, might point to him being interested in making another run. I, you know, I'm not sure. But um, that definitely stuck out. Uh, the other one, the, the major one for us that, that stuck out was um, Doug Collins. He's a U.S. House representative uh, in District 9. And um, the reason that stuck out for me is we tried to run somebody in his district uh, last year, and he was unable to make it on the ballot because of our ballot access laws. Uh, Aaron Gilmer tried, and he is also one of the plaintiffs on our lawsuit against the Secretary of State. And um, so that court case is, is we'll have some news on that probably next week, but um, there's been some developments there. Um, but I think it's just, it's so the reason Doug Collins is interesting is if he gets appointed, there will be a special election in that district 
And there will be no ballot access requirements now. So the so Libertarian we, Party could run a candidate. For District 9. For District 9, correct. Um, so that, I mean, that's interesting, right? I mean, we could technically run multiple candidates if we wanted. And, you know, the Republicans and Democrats could run as many candidates as they want. Um, that's in North Georgia, where I think there's a lot of people who are who tend to libertarian. Um, it's considered one of the more... Um, the media calls it the most conservative place in the in the state, but um, when they say when they say far right, what they generally mean is is libertarian. They mm. they describe us as far as radical right as radical conservatives, and uh, you know, I, yeah, that's not true at all. But those Bill of Rights people, those, yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> They're the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, that's where um, some of the better even. Um, Current sitting state legislators are uh, Matt Gertler and Colton Moore up in that district. Um, and we'll probably talk about them more as when the session starts up because, um, like I said, they're generally actually pretty good on libertarian ideas. So um, just looking out for that. Um, did you have anything else on Isaacson's seat? All right, we'll move on. It's hard to get worse, so yeah. let's try to do better. This It's just going to be such an insane news story throughout. I mean, so... It, there's going to be the appointment, and then there's going to be the jungle general, which will be just an absolute Do you want to explain mess. the jungle general quickly? I, I did that on the last one. So okay. if, if you want to look at it, you can look at it. But as many people that want to sign up can sign up. There might be 15 people on it. There might be 30 people on it. Um, it's going to be absolutely insane. But um, whoever gets appointed has to run in that. And then two years later, they have to run again for the regular term. So, oh, interesting. So whoever gets appointed is signing up for just quite a wild ride, I think. Yeah, they're not going to get a lot done other than running for the seat again. That's right. That's probably true. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll go ahead and move on. Um, I think one of the things that the Libertarian Party and Libertarians in general is that we constantly uh, criticize rather than necessarily praise. Um, and I think that there's a good reason for that. There's a lot to criticize in today's political world. Um, but when there's something good happening, I think we should talk about it too. So Governor Kemp recently announced that he wanted to make uh, 4% budget cuts uh, across the board. And so I think as as far as measuring the size and scope of government, a metric that you can use is spending, mm -hmm. right? How many dollars are spent? And I think you can objectively say, if we're going to spend less, we have less government. We're never going to spend less. Even the spending cuts are cuts to the rate of growth. Well, that's just, so that he's a, he's actually asking for current budgets to be cut by 4%. I don't know if they're calling it that. I know that's like the Washington definition. I don't know if that's the Georgia definition or if that's the definition here. Interesting. Um, so there's a little bit of weirdness going on around it, though. So Speaker Ralston tried to call for um, budget hearings in, his, in the uh, State House Committee. Um, and Kemp basically said, don't bother. So what generally happens is the head of departments will get their budget cuts together, they'll present them to the governor, and then they'll go into these committee hearings and present them to the um, Georgia, House rep uh, Georgia House representatives um, just to kind of work out all the kinks. But Kemp was like, eh, don't worry about that, and kind of cut them off. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know what that means, um, if, if that means that he doesn't think Ralston would have the right intentions or... Or he doesn't want Ralston in any more news stories than he can that might be true. <laughs> possibly might be true. get away with. It could, it could be that there's a little bit of friction there, though. You know, um, Legislators, I think, 
are on the hook a little bit more to um, provide money for the, the, the different programs that people in their districts want. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe he's just trying to head them off at the pass and, and get the cuts actually through. Maybe. So um, the other the other thing is, is um, you know, we talked about the fact that the budget cuts might not be a cut in general because cuts don't necessarily mean cuts. But um, there's also speculation that the cuts are only to fund other departments. So, you know, Kemp during his campaign promised a three thousand dollar raise for teachers and he came he came in and, and did $1,500 in the first session and couldn't find the rest of the money. So this may be him finding the money mm. uh, for things like that because I think that's a very expensive $3,000 for all the teachers and all the employees of the, of the um, Georgia Ed Public, school, Georgia Public school, system. school system, which is, I think, the biggest employer in the state of Georgia. Probably. <laughs> so um, so that, that's, massive. that's a massive amount of money that, they, that he needs to raise. And so if you're cutting in, in one place and then bringing it to another, then, you know, you didn't cut the size and scope of government. You just cut the size and scope of certain departments. Well, we've done worse things than that. If you're willing to take it from one department and give it to another department instead of just spending more and raising taxes, I guess we can support that as an incremental step. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so Georgia is um, interesting in that we require a balanced budget. Um, and so, you know, yeah. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to talk about there is that paying teachers is not necessarily going to solve all of our education woes, right? I mean, no, not at all. Yeah. No. And a lack of funding, like low salaries, is not the primary reason that teachers report not going back to teaching. So we're losing a lot of qualified teachers all the time, not because they're not willing to work for the Salaries offered, the benefits packages are also excellent, and there's often pensions. But because they're not willing to work in the sort of dysfunctional system that we're currently facing. And there's more and more top-down control, so great teachers who are able to connect with their students and really create innovative curricula and teach well yeah. are not being valued. There's been a slow process of deprofessionalization. So if you standardize it enough from the top down, it doesn't matter whether the teacher is good or bad. Well, right. good teachers don't want to work in that system. Yeah, and you can't spending, innovate if there's too many regulations on it. They're spending a lot more time reporting and preparing kids for standardized tests that aren't an accurate measure of whether they've learned anything. And we're losing good teachers for reasons that actually have very little to do with an extra $3,000 a year. That's not going to keep a frustrated, good teacher in a school. Well, and I think it shows that private schools typically, if you look at the averages, they pay less than public schooling, but people still want to go teach at private schools because they have more freedom to innovate in their classrooms. Charters, too. Yep. Yep. Um, but that, that is sort of one of the things, and we're going to get a little off topic here, but sort of on topic, um, where we talk about school choice all the time um, it is, you know, you can, you can open up school choice. Uh, to and, and have say that competition will breed innovation, but if all of those choices are mandated to behave the same way, then they still can't innovate, and you're not solving the problem. Um, so those two things have to happen at the same time. You have to deregulate. Um, our kid uh, is 
in preschool right now and um, she's three years old and I think that they are not allowed to co-mingle with like five-year-olds for over a certain amount of time. Right. Um, that's mandated by the state law. They uh, they have to position their cots in a specific thing for nap time. They have yes. to be in a certain position, right? Walls have to be a certain height between the different classes. Yes, because we must separate them by date of manufacture. This is a <laughs> factory industrial system. When there's actually good data out there that says intermixing kids that are younger and older is, is really good for leadership qualities and learning. and Absolutely. You get better at something by teaching it to somebody who doesn't know as much as you do. And that's true for a four-year-old teaching a three-year-old every bit as it is for a 35-year-old teaching a 25-year-old. Right. Um, so I think this leads really well into our next story that we wanted to talk about. Um, Speaking of innovation you're not allowed to have. And preschools. Um, so in Forest Park, Georgia, there is a preschool called Little Ones Learning Center. And um, they have an interesting curriculum where they um, basically agriculture is, part, is, is what their education program is. So they're growing fresh produce. Um, they, you know, they grow watermelons and all kinds of different things. Um, and so one of the things that they thought would be fun for the kids and interesting is to do a farm stand uh, every, twice a month for the local community to sell all the fresh produce they did. They also bring in some fresh produce from some of the local farms and the kids, you know, get the opportunity to sell what they've grown. Right. And I think probably most of us who went through any kind of school program have staffed a kid's bake sale at some point as a fundraiser. That's right. It's not that much different except that they've had the full educational arc they didn't their mom didn't bake cupcakes last night or dad right that instead they've grown something from a plant stage they have little printouts at least if it's anything like our program little printouts of how the shoot comes out of the seed and what's happening under the ground and they've they've witnessed the whole process and then they're going to do essentially an enrichment exercise of selling these things to the community. They get to see the, the literal fruits of their efforts, right? Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a dad. I can make those kind of jokes. That's true. That was a perfect <laughs> dad joke. Um, so, and they're interacting with the community, right. which we know is a benefit to kids. Yep. And they are witnessing commerce and entrepreneurship. That's and right. Um, so the other thing they do is they um, provide discounts for people that are on like food stamp programs and things like that. So they're helping, they're giving a little bit more access to people who need it the most and in a voluntary way. To fresh fruits and vegetables, exactly the same things that we say aren't available in enough low-income neighborhoods. That's right. Um, and so um, the reason this is a news story um, is because the farm stand has been shut down by the city, by Forest Park, Georgia. Um, and a quote on the Forest Park city manager was, um, anywhere you live, you've got to have rules and regulations. Otherwise, you would just have whatever. Freedom. <laughs> yeah. Chaos. Yeah. Spontaneous I, order. I, yeah. think, I think she's really worried that there's going to be like a massive outbreak of, of fresh produce in our city or something. Like, like it would be the worst thing if you just had like 10 farm stands every, you know, on the same street. <laughs> Can I get those to line up? Every other with the taco trucks I was promised on every corner. Well, that was for Hillary, though. So oh, no. Trump's shutting that down. <laughs> we don't allow tacos. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, if you, if you live in Forest Park, I think, you know, you can reach out to your city, city council people and let them know that you're not interested in this and that they need to really um, handle this. Because zoning violations is not a way... Is, I don't think anyone even intended. This is... 
this is one of these uh, laws of unintended consequences, right? The mm. scene and the unseen. They didn't create the zoning regulations to shut kids out of a market, right? Yeah, but neighbors absolutely <clears throat> will call the zoning board because they're annoyed. Well, so that's the interesting thing, right? So zoning regulations generally are not enforced actively. Right. They're only enforced when your neighbors call. When there's a complaint. Um, yeah, so they're, they're really just a tool for your neighbor to, to yeah. get you back for something they don't like. And it... <laughs> It may be that there are problems associated with having this preschool farm stand. Maybe people are parking haphazardly. and It's illegal. It's already illegal. Yeah. Right. It's possible that there are problems that need to be solved between the neighbors and the preschool running the farm stand. But they would be much better off addressing those in a neighbor-to-neighbor fashion than calling in the city and shutting it down. Yeah. And what lesson have the kids learned here about who's on their side oh, and who's yeah. not? That's true. We may have just created a new batch of little libertarians. <laughs> so I'm not too upset about it. Now who's optimistic? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move on from that. Um, I just have one other thing. It's, um, it's sort of, uh, it's, it's LP Georgia related. Um, our annual convention is coming up next year, Yay! uh, next year. What's the date on that please? January 18th and 19th. We're doing two days this time so we can make sure to get all of our business session done and then still have all kinds of great speakers, um, that are interesting and talking about libertarian ideas. Uh, we've got a big focus this year on promoting people that live in Georgia and are doing work in Georgia, whether they're libertarian, republic, democrat, or none of the above, or any anything else. Yeah. So um, we just want to make sure that we're promoting people that are doing good. Good labels are not important. Exactly. And just that's... promote the ideas of liberty, and we are on your side for whatever that issue is. That's right. So. Um... We have a couple of announced guests now. Uh, Jay Strickland, who was our 2018 candidate for Georgia House District 42. Um, he tried, and, well, we'll go on the next one too. Damon Kennedy, he was our 2018 candidate for Georgia House District 90. Um, so that's like Marietta and McDonough. And they both tried to get on the ballot by petitioning. Um, they needed between um, 1,200 and 2,000 signatures apiece. Um, and neither one of them were able to actually get on the ballot. So they want to come and talk to you guys about that. Um, and then we also have Brian Sells, who is our lawyer representing the Libertarian Party of Georgia in our current ballot access lawsuit. Um, he'll be coming to talk about the stuff that he's been working on in regards to ballot access. He's also an activist in um, ballot access laws across the nation. So um, that should be a good uh, ballot access panel. I don't know if that one's complete yet. We'll probably have one or two more people on there. Um, the idea is to do a bunch of panels. Um, yeah, more voices and more ideas and the same sort of dynamic exchange here rather than one speaker at a time. Well, and it's about like creating bridges. So we want to do a criminal justice uh, panel and we've invited people that kind of fill the spectrum. And if they're all on the stage together talking about the same issue, maybe a light goes on and they're like, hey, we're on the same side here. Why are we fine? Why are we bickering about these other things? Why can't we just get this done? And who's hosting this and, thing again? Yeah. The libertarians? They must be okay. Yeah, exactly. So um, there's there's a little bit of rhyme to to the to the reason, reason to the rhyme. Neither reason and rhyme would be the same thing. Eh, you right. meant method to madness. All right, there you go. <laughs> That's why I didn't have it right. So um, one other guest that we have um, is, and, and I'm going to butcher his last name because I don't listen to the podcast. Um, do you know it? Quinones, right? All right. Peter. 
Quinones. Quinones. All right. So um, I apologize, Pete. Um, he is better known as Mance Raider on his podcast, The Free Man Beyond the Wall, and he is also the managing editor at the Libertarian Institute. So um, he will, we're going to hopefully get a panel together um, for people like him who are communicating liberty on ways of effective messaging and, you and know. A lot, a lot of great local podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there will be more people. We have some, some people that, that we're ready to announce, um, that we will be ready to announce in the next week on that podcast or on that, that particular panel. Um, yeah. So uh, that's just a little taste of what we've got coming. Um, if you want today, uh, well, through the end of the month, tickets are $100. Um, prices are going to go up on October 1st. They go up to 125 Less than a week from now. Um, yeah, right. So go out today and get this done. Um, they, they'll go up to 125 in October, uh, and there'll be 150 at the door. So if don't wait until you're at the door, otherwise you'll be paying a lot more. Um, student tickets are $50, um, and we'll also have a form up for people to get sponsored. So if you want to pay $100 today and then also pay an extra $50 to sponsor a student, we're trying to get some younger people involved. Um, so... <clears throat> The other things that we do at the at the annual convention, you know, um, there was a big debate uh, between Dave Smith and Nick Sarwark about the types of candidates that we need to be putting forth. And um, the important thing that I got out of it is um, both of them have very good points, and some of them, both of them, have some bad points. Um, but the most important thing is is the people who show up get to determine what the types of candidates that we put forth are. So you come to the annual convention and all of your LP Georgia candidates are nominated there. And on every single uh, nomination, you have the opportunity, even if they're the only one, to vote NOTA. None of the above. And I think that we should practice that more often. Yes, that's probably true. I think we would be well advised to run fewer candidates who are better stewards of our message mm -hmm. than more candidates who don't represent the public face that we want to offer. Right. There are obviously better candidates and worse candidates, and we should voice that. Um, so, and the only way to do that is to come to the convention and make sure your voice is heard. Um, and or... Consider becoming a candidate yourself. If you are an That's excellent true. communicator of liberty and you roll your eyes when you hear the national libertarians talk about whatever issue you're passionate about because you know you can do better, we want to help. <clears throat> and if you're willing to run, we will help to prep you and we will provide what support we can to help you be successful in communicating that message. Um, and just one final note on this. Um, this is also where we nominate our delegates to the national convention. So if you really want to a, to a voice in um, who becomes our presidential candidate and our vice presidential candidate who get nominated separately, there's no running mates. Um, I mean, Kim Ruff and John Phillips might disagree, but there's no running mates. Um, well, yeah, Aaron Johnson and Bill Weld might disagree. They're campaign but, mates. Yeah. Yes, but um, it is up to the delegates to decide individually and that'll be in austin in 2020 in may i think i want to say but it'll be in austin um so yeah if you come to our the annual convention that's where you get nominated to be a delegate to, to the annual convention and be seated with the georgia convention right when we meet with all of the national libertarians correct and they do all the platform uh you have voting rights for the platform uh, and bylaws changes and uh, bylaw stuff is 
I'm sorry, I'm gonna give my opinion here. It's super boring, but um, but yeah, platforms fun stuff. Yeah, historically we have had very high ratios of the people who want to be nominated as national delegates uh, getting through the Georgia process because you will pay your own travel costs. Yep. Uh, we often have spots for anybody who wants to go and, and sometimes we have a wait list and people drop off later because they have other commitments. And if you want to go to national as a delegate of Georgia, your chances of doing so are excellent. That's true. All right, um, that's all I have today for the Georgia Liberty Cast. Do you have anything else, Laura? No. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I look forward to doing it again. Yep, absolutely. Cool. Well, then um, I think we'll go ahead and sign out. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to the official podcast of the Libertarian Party of Georgia. The theme song for this episode was Metaltania by Kevin MacLeod, released to the public domain through freepd.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate us and leave a review. You can email the show's producers at podcast at lpgeorgia.com. If you're a libertarian in the state of Georgia, don't forget to find your local affiliate at lpgeorgia.com.